Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to season three of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today is my core crew, Matthew Aguilar. What up? Janelle Wheeler. Hello, everybody. And producer extraordinaire Jim Viscardi is back with us. Let's go. Let's do it. Go. Yeah, our intro music gets us real hyped around here. So now that we're all (laughs) turned up. It is really good. Yeah, and uh, we got some things to talk about today. But uh, you know what? I wasn't the architect of this episode. This is a Matt episode. So Matt, why don't you tell the people what are we getting into today on this episode? Well, well, we're going to get into a little bit of DC goodness uh here that was kind of breaking so we're always it feels like we always have tradition now where we break news every every podcast uh we're also going to get into loki of course the second episode but then we've got all of the craziness that happened at e3 this year we have iCarly because it's me (laughs) when we also have wwe hell in a cell this weekend uh back to back with nxt takeover last weekend so we're going to give you a full preview of what's to come for that so that's what's in store this today and All comics. Right. And comics. How did I forget yeah. comics? Good Lord. I'm really bad excited me. about the ones this week. So, no, on it's me. great. That's yep. bad. Me. Way to <laughs> go, Jim. Still getting used to that driver's seat. There you go, buddy. <laughs> you did a good job. You sold it. You sold me. I'm in for this episode Thank now. Thank you. All right. As Matt teased, we got a little bit off the bat to talk about some breaking news as we came in here. Um, I'm sure Jim is still scrambling over there trying to get it in front of all your faces. But uh, we got our first look at the latest. Well, I'm like mixing up these things. We got our latest teaser from the Flash movie from di- director Andy uh, Muschietti. I don't want to butcher his name. I hope I got that right. So far, we've gotten a tease of Michael Keaton's Batman suit insignia, then a tease of the new Flash suit from its insignia. And today we got a kind of close up of none other than the Supergirl costume. So we got our little teaser of the Supergirl costume that just went up on comicbook.com DC. Be sure to check that out. If you guys are listening live, head over there because I think, yeah, we're going to be some of the first to really throw that up. And uh, Sasha Kale will be playing Supergirl in this Flash movie, which will be its own kind of crazy multiverse tale with uh, Barry Allen, Ezra Miller kind of breaking the DC timeline and us being able to get different versions of these heroes and presumably maybe some villains too. Yeah. I think and, uh, the next one has to be like the Ben Affleck Batman costume, right? Um, like that's got to be the next one. We the see major announcements. This. Yeah. I would have, yeah. I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, unless, unless we're about to get some real surprises, like if I see that red Batman insignia, I was going to say, man, that's again. what I was going to say. Like, yeah. Woo, it'll go off, man. Like, that Thomas Wayne joint. Yeah, that Thomas yeah. Wayne insignia. It'll go off. <laughs> and uh, I mean, director Andy Michietti is doing like a pretty good job of 
doing these teasers. Like he's got his social media game on point. I mean, he's literally just giving us insignia looks, but with little details in each one that kind of kind of make you go, hmm, and like want to look at them a little closer. Matt, you are our kind of uh you know, you you're a supergirl expert. I was gonna say you're a supergirl expert. <laughs> or super but, fan. Yeah, super fan. Um, and you were going off a little bit about some of the early reactions um. <laughs> that we heard to this supergirl costume. Uh, uh. Okay, so number one, I I'm not gonna. That is sacred. What happens before the show is sacred, Kobe. I remember getting told that after I called something. You've thrown me under the bus. You've literally thrown me under the bus to celebrity interviews. What are you talking about? I stated the truth. (laughs) I stated the truth. Okay, well, I stated a timely truth as well. (laughs) So number one, it does not look like the Captain Marvel costume. (laughs) That is not uh, what it's going for because obviously Supergirl's colors are blue and red. I, well, I think he was referencing that the shoulders are right, but red. that is actually based on the new Fifty Two look of the character. Right. So, like okay. when when she got that look, it's actually her cape in the comics. Anyway, it's actually her cape that's cut that way, and it's like a collar. So mm-hmm. the cape goes down here, and it makes it kind of look like it has this overarching red on the top, even though technically she can unfurl that, and it doesn't. This looks more like it's part of the suit. Right, like an ombre like effect. Yeah, because it doesn't look like there's any kind of split or anything yeah. from that. But isn't, um, but isn't that the Earth 2 Supergirl costume? I mean, they've all done variations of that that mix. This is the most, like, to me anyway, this is like the most overt, like, hey, this is actually part, we're going full red up top. At it the is suit. because the seams are blue on the, like, arms. Yeah, so this is, yes. I mean, they're going for a little bit of a different look, but you can definitely see the origins of a couple of her previous costumes in that and i this is one of those like i kind of hold out to see the full thing because from this shot it looks very it's abrupt it's like oh we just go from blue to red and we don't (laughs) know how that ties in with the arms and the shoulders and all that so i will be interested to see but what i love most about superman costumes like current superman costumes it's just how they nail the textures yeah. Like these things look, I, Man of Steel's costume is the exact same way. I do love you, the way those. Do costumes. you like that, like dodgeball look? Oh, I, I love it. I think it looks cool. The I dodgeball I, texture. I yeah. dig it now. Take, take this with a knowing thing. I know a bunch of people hate on the what are called the strawberry jam belts in WWE. Uh, <laughs> I I love those things. I like the colors. I like the, especially the SmackDown belts. Like I like big bold colors, and I like kind of very overt textures. I'm I agree. Because otherwise it just looks really plain in mm-hmm. when you zoom in and close up. It so feels more I futuristic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they are aliens. You know what I mean? True. So like you can have some fun. They're from different planets. Have some fun with the textures. It doesn't have to look like it came out of what clothing store do I yeah, not I mean, shop at? I yeah. probably <laughs> <laughs> like it's not, it's not going to be Foot Locker spandex, you know right? I mean? Thank like, you. Yeah, so we're not going that route. And yeah, so far there's I don't see too much to complain about. People are complaining about shades of red. Like we're really, we're really getting down <laughs> oh, down Lord. the pike on pettiness. <laughs> yeah. Like we're getting a little far down the pike on pettiness when we're talking about shades of red. They don't have those textures on Echo Unlimited, which I rock on. <laughs> <laughs> Stop! Stop! I'm trying wow. to get us a sponsor, Kofi. You, we can't. I mean, I don't know. That, I don't know if that's the best. You know that Echo is like used for rap punchlines now. Like, let's, let's, yeah, let's stop this. This is madness. Moving on. So that's the Supergirl costume. Flash is still shaping up to be one of the more interesting DCEU movies. 
I can't wait to see what's going to happen in, in this film. Like, honestly, I can't because I can't believe it's real still. Mm-hmm. And more it's than the happening. more I see these, I go, man, it's actually happening. Like, it's this weird, like, the haze is wearing off. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm starting to believe in this thing. Yeah, this is happening. And it's a DC event film. It's we crazy. got two famous Batmans, Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck. We got an alternate timeline story, a reset DC universe or multiverse story coming up. And, you know, a, a new Supergirl. Like, and this is just like what we know. So mm-hmm. who knows what, how crazy. Are you happy with the rate at which they're giving teasers and things like that? Or do you think they should be like upping it up a little bit more? Upping it no, up? No, I mean, like, again, I think at a certain point we're getting a little absurdly petty when we start saying certain <laughs> things like complaining about the rate of teasers we're getting is it, that's a little too much entitled for me as a film fan. Like, yeah, we don't have to get teasers They're 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 totally optional from from a director or creator standpoint. I'm happy right. that, you know, Andy, Andy is on his game and kind of feeding us regularly. And, I and just I just also like that, like we're getting some pretty good high res looks at this stuff. I hate when we get first looks from set photos. Oh, my like, God. Yeah, those are, yeah, those are always the worst. And the Internet debacle around those discussions is just it's it's always bad. Yeah. Unless. Right you're Miss Marvel and everybody loved the damn thing when Miss Marvel saw in the set photos. And what I find interesting is it'll probably be reverse. It'll probably we'll get like official photos and everybody <laughs> to be like, nah, it doesn't look as good as it did in the set. Photos. <laughs> hey man, you set yourself up, but uh, all right, that's what's going on with the Supergirl costume in the flash movie. Let's hop over the fence. We're going over to Marvel. We're going to talk about Loki second episode and, we're not going to kind of hash out too much about the episode by now. Everybody's probably seen it. If you guys are Marvel fans, uh, we're going to talk about some theories that came out after the episode and, and where we're at in our kind of Loki theory breakdown. So rich, if you can throw it up there uh, from the booth, we're going to be talking Loki spoilers, spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about Loki spoilers. So if you haven't seen Loki, you might want to drop off for about or mute for about five or six minutes or so. Until you see the Loki spoiler warning on the screen, go away. If you're listening to this, just fast forward a little bit. And then we'll be talking about some other stuff you can definitely listen to, like E3 and comics and all that good stuff. But um, Loki, so the big event in in Loki episode two is no doubt the reveal that uh, we got, you know, quote unquote, Lady Loki, uh, who's actually Sylvie Lawfer, the daughter. I can't say <laughs> this kind of Norse stuff, but um, she's the and even... As I'm actually writing this article up, even the MCU wiki notes that she is seemingly a variant of Loki. So there's a bunch of questions hanging over that because Sylvie is another character from Marvel Comics, um, yep. is an enchantress. And then, but, you know, the loft, the daughters, the kind of ice, she's still a frost giant daughter. So that's still a part of Loki. And so, like, <laughs> it, just, you know, it just all kind of thinks that, like, like it's just the MCU doing its take on yeah. you know, potentially what it's a composite character. Uh, like, that's what right. the, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's arguably three different characters kind of mashed together. The young Sylvie character, the older enchantress and lady Loki, like, and this is what the MCU does. So I'm not surprised about that. That's not as interesting to me as you know, what lady Loki has done in this episode and what she essentially did was steal a bunch of TVA reset charges and send them to unknown points. Well, now we know the points in the timeline and set them all off and create all these variant timelines, um, which was interesting because as we've written on comicbook.com, Marvel, and you can check out 
a lot of those timelines seem directly connected to events that we're going to see in Marvel's What If animated series. Um, things on Sakaar and Hela and Xandar are all related to things like, you know, Gamora becoming the Mad Titan or Star-Lord being Black Panther or, you know, there's even one in like post-World War II America that could be Peggy Carter and, you know, uh, Steve Rogers' whole thing. So that was pretty interesting. But it also kind of what people are buzzing about has opened the door for the Marvel multiverse. So my first question to you guys is, do you think this is like the big turn and we this is finally the multiverse? Because we've been jumping at this thing like since phase four began, since far from home. Right. And they keep getting us with these like, ah, it's not really a multiverse. Like Mysterio is just some dude. And <laughs> is WandaVision going to break open the multiverse and give us House of X? And it's like, nah, no, that's not happening. So. <sighs> We now have Loki where, I mean, this has directly happened. Do you think these, this is going to be like the big change to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Or is this just a kind of red herring for the show that will inevitably have to be kind of cleaned up and, and put back in order? Because what if could still be, you know, a series based on what if that timeline had still existed? Well, right. Well, there, there was that, that, that screen that like kind of went through a bunch of different events and timeline stuff. And I almost wonder if like some of those are some of the, what if scenarios. Right. Uh, but I think, I mean, look, I think this show is going to do a little bit, of, do a little bit of both. Right. I don't think we are going to get full blown multiversal stuff, I guess, until, you know, Spider-Man, no way home. And then inevitably Dr. Strange. But I think this will just continue to, you know, slowly crack the door open before we get like real crazy in it. So it's a setup. I agree. Basically. I, I don't see, I don't see them doing that in a Disney plus series period. Like I just don't see like, and because that's, that's not a knock on the Disney no. plus series. I think it's just, you gotta, when you think of like audience size, yeah, like they're, they're doing that in front uh, on a, in, right. On a like, you know, that's a huge event. And also like, yes, a lot of people are watching these. But like mm-hmm. not as many people that go to see like Infinity War, right? Like, I mean, right. it's not it's not the same audience that you're going to command. So to kind of make <laughs> to essentially make something as big as that and what that means, a tie in issue essentially is not mm-hmm. something they would do for the cinematics. I think it'll be honestly, I really think. <sighs> I think No Way Home will do stuff, but maybe not in the way we are expecting I really don't think we dive all the way into that and really see what that is until Doc Strange. I think that's really, I mean, it's in the damn title. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> so exactly I what I was going to say. Yeah, like it's in the title. How do you not do that? Normally, I would agree with you. Um, I'm a little kind of, I think this particular attack will, might get cleaned up, but still lead. I think the series will still ultimately lead to there being a major change in, in that the sacred timeline gets fractured or, or broken in some kind of way. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why I, I think that Loki is remember, I feel like these Disney plus series, like I keep saying, are just like the quick costume changes and character development that has to take place yeah. in for the new movies to come now and getting that all out of the way. So you don't have to do this exposition in a movie. I think this one is kind of a universal costume change into now there's a multiverse 
and things are unstable so that when you get into Doctor Strange, you don't really have to go back over why it happened. There's been a cosmic event. There's a broken multiverse. Doctor Strange. Now there's this problem. They'll recap it for people who haven't watched Loki, though. Oh, yeah. They'll find a way. Oh, there'll be all kinds of featurettes and yeah. stuff about Wanda playing stuff and Loki doing stuff. And yeah, there'll be all of that. Um, but in the movie itself, you won't have to get into it too much. So I think they are going to do that. It also makes sense for like this character arc, because I think in the end, and I've said this since the beginning, that I think that this Loki professor, Loki variant doesn't want to end up on this fatalistic line where his life sucks. And yeah. he'll be the kind of one to help sabotage all that and change it so that there is a different possible future for himself. And as I just wrote up in there's on comicbook.com Marvel, I think this series is also clearly going to introduce Kang the Conqueror. Oh my gosh. Yes. And this, and at least make his presence known in the MCU. And I think Kang kind of raises some, there's some questions to be raised. And I think Kang is tied to this deeply. And there's a whole bunch of theories about this, but uh, Ravana Renslayer, you know, Gugu and Booth and Bathu Raw's character is related to Kang romantically and as adversaries in the comics, but they have this romantic link and her whole wizard of Oz man behind the curtain thing feels like a setup for some kind of big twist on the timekeepers. Charlie Ridgely did an excellent piece about that, about why they probably don't exist and the whole TVA is BS. Um, and I kind of, in my kind of Kang theory went even deeper because we're not asking questions like, okay, so there's this sacred timeline, right? But what's sacred about it and who wants to keep it that way is a big question. Like, and why, like, what is it that what's the sacred part that we get to? And like one of the biggest twists would be, <laughs> Keeping things sacred because Kang wants to ensure Kang's own existence and and dominance over the timeline or Immortus, if you want to get go down that rabbit hole. Wow. Um, but yeah, that would be a big twist because you need all the Avengers stuff and arguably more films like Fantastic Four and all those heroes because they are directly tied to Kang being born and becoming Kang. Uh, so you need all that kind of stuff set in stone. But like the multiverse war being won by a conqueror who hops timeline seems like a pretty logical end, you know, that this wasn't a happy ending to this thing. Um, And it would be a big, again, twist on all of this. So I think Loki is going to play with some kind of crack in the door in the multiverse that either because Kang is like, Oh crap. Now my own existence isn't guaranteed. Now I got to do something about this. Or because we have to find out that he was research, come you know, that he reasserts control over this in some kind of way to be like, yeah, no, we're gonna make sure that you know, daddy gets daddy's birth, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, man, that's so great. Uh, yeah, that's actually- a lot to unpack that sentence, but yes, you know what I'm saying. So, I feel like it is gonna actually kick open the door to the multiverse, and so that we can move into No Way Home being the first kind of glitches of it slipping through kind of spider versey. Uh yeah, we didn't even talk about that, but there was that <laughs> Sony had to snatch one down from uh Argentina, uh Spider-Man teaser, and it was just a date reveal, but at, at the end the logo did a little Spider-Verse glitch where Ooh. it changed to a different color logo, and they snatched that down right quick because I don't think they were supposed to show that, but that was our first clue that like yeah, there could be glitches in the multiverse that are letting things kind of slip through like a Sinister 16 or different versions of Spider-Man. Um and so, yeah, I think Loki will be the cause of that. 
Speaking of doors, um, Hassan Josh is throwing up a lot of really good questions in the chat. Like, for example, uh, what was the motivation behind Loki following Lady Loki through the door? Like, is he wanting to get in on that plan? Is he just wanting to, like, figure out what her secrets are, her tricks and how she does it? Is he trying to help the TVA by stopping her? Uh, What are you guys thinking? Like, what do you think's next? I think Loki's Loki and he will throw the... I mean, anybody he think I think... Mobius knows Loki and kind of called this all out to a T is that he can't stand that there would be a superior Loki to him Um, and he will (laughs) throw her under the bus as soon as he learns what she knows and the tricks because he wants the power behind the T the TVA I think that first episode made that apparent I don't think Loki's sad because he learned he was a bad person and caused all this death (laughs) in his life I think he's a sad person because he chased this power that he realizes is worthless and it was all meaningless. And, you know, his last words to Thanos are ones that come back to haunt him. You'll never be a God. And he still wants to be a God. And one way to do that would be to kind of get his hands on whatever the power is behind the TVA. Unless there's a big gun toting, time hopping warlord there. And then he's like, oh, crap. And he <laughs> ends up getting blasted still instead of Thanos. It's just Kang this time, which would be kind of funny and poetic. Man, you yeah. love Kang. I love me some Kang. <laughs> you love Kang. I love I I love Kang. I just think that Kang is such a great character to take into the MCU because people who don't know anything about Kang, you like blow their minds with all of this kind of reveals and twists and yeah. and and kind of spin-off things you can do with this character. It's it's pretty good. Absolutely. Uh, another chat question or I guess statement cunning says I think Amortis is the TVA. Thoughts? Oh, man, I didn't want to get down this rabbit hole. But uh, that's the thing I agree with the most, because Immortus in the comics, Immortus was the timekeep. The TVA was created when the timekeepers died or no, the the timekeepers were created by the TVA when they when the TVA died by the last agent. I think it's reversed in this one. And the timekeepers made Immortus their agent and and put him in charge of things. But I think that's been remixed in this in that. Yes the older version of Kang is the one running the TVA trying to kind to ensure that either he, you know, to keep Kang from being this, you know, conquering force in the universe. And I think Loki really will screw that up and screw up that plan because yeah. (laughs) And that's going to be like the whole thing about it. And you may not know in this series that Amortis is also Kang Um, that might come later because there's, you know, the other kind of, play field in this whole multiverse thing is of course the quantum realm which will be you know ant-man and the lost quantum mania which we know we're getting jonathan majors as kang so yeah i i like this i like the theory that there's that there's multiple uh tvas that each each like time like each multiverse has its own or each universe has its own tva and the response of the tva is or so the the responsibility of the TVA is to like that the red line is another sacred timeline and that like if the branch goes off and reaches another sacred timeline that's where the catastrophe happens and so like if you think of it right there's the whole like line about the the epilogue of of this you know of the story is still being untangled by the uh by the timekeepers it's because they've already kind of separated all of the threads and that inevitably there is a a knot 
somewhere, you know, down in the future that the timekeepers are current, you know, constantly trying to uh, untangle. That's untangle. Awesome. <laughs> one, one other question, that. one other thing, and then we got to go to break, but um, someone asked, is Jonathan Majors going to play Mortis? I hope not. I hope for, I hope that Kang I think I hope that Jonathan Majors gets to play Kang and Rama Tut if they go that route. And I hope that Immortus is an older kind of black actor who you don't necessarily know as Jonathan Majors. And Iron Lad is a younger one. Like and they I I hope they get three different people to play this one role because that would just be fun. That would be cool. Yeah. I but I am not joining this spiral trade. I'm not <laughs> I'm not, I think Kang would be really smart though. To have as because we all know that mysterious presence of like the something's wrong with the the lords. There's something there. They've very heavily hinted at it that it's not all what it seems. I feel like that would be a good spot to introduce that character though. But you know, all right, go we're gonna it. take a break. We're gonna try to get our heads together after all these low key theories. <laughs> and when we come back, Matt's gonna break down E3 for us. We got to get into some big comics and talk about WWE Hell in a Cell. Stay tuned for all of it. So I was unsuccessful yet again. I didn't think it was happening. <laughs> got me. I was reaching for my drink. And it yeah, I thought I had like another wow. minute. I was like, wow. I, okay. I mean, Rich tried oh to, Rich tried oh to, God. he tried you to warn another me. minute. It's always one minute every I, time. My heart <laughs> a little bit. Hey man. Hey man. These are, <laughs> bro, these are on Fridays now, man. Like I, I, I got so much left in the tank. Only so much. All right. So, Matt, <laughs> all right. give us a big breakdown. What about E3 that happened this year should we gamers care about? Um, so I feel like the first, the first question that's going to pop up this year is who won E3? And um, I feel like it's really Nobody. down. We all lost. Here's the, oh, God. <laughs> we all lost. Oh, so trash this year. Get that trash out of here. There's a lot of things to get excited about. Okay. So the I thing that you're going start, to. I just want to say to frame this discussion, Breath of the Wild is trash. That's all. So, so thank you, Kofi. Boring. So, it's just and boring. Boy, Connor, somewhere Connor is like, he can't stand himself right now because he wants to talk about this so bad. He was looking forward to Zelda so much. So the the two big companies, essentially, because Sony didn't have an E3 thing this year. So it was really down to Microsoft and Nintendo. I feel like those are your two that had the most buzzed about things in the space. Microsoft got a little deflated with their Starfield announcement like 20 minutes ahead of the big presentation, but it still was received well, space fallout uh, if you will, uh, and it was a nice trailer. It was all in-engine, but it didn't actually show any gameplay. Uh, then we got Halo Infinite, which we had talked about. We were very excited to see what they would do and they that, showed some that of game it. Looks, that game looks incredible. They showed some of it and it looks fine. Um, I want it, I want it, <laughs> it now. I'm with you, Matt. Fine. It looks no, it looks fine. It doesn't look bad, but no. it wasn't the hey, look at this now that we were expecting after the piss poor showing last time around. <laughs> and it wasn't that. It wasn't that look, we've been hard at work. You know, you kind of expected Spencer to get up there like, look, they've been hard at work, they heard you, you know, that PR talk, and mm -hmm. then go, look at this. And then it's like oh, shiny, and it looked good. <laughs> it didn't wow me. What's awesome though is that the multiplayer is free, which I think is freaking beautiful i think that's amazing and a great yep. way 
to build into their already kind of Look, you can play game, on really games smart. games pass games pass is so is so worth every penny and it will forever keep me an Xbox person. Like well, it that is was just the other biggest takeaway from that was that every single game it seemed like aside from maybe three were constantly revealed like Game Pass. This is on Game yep. Pass. Day Huge. one, Game Pass. It was yep. constant, and it was Game like, Pass is inherently more value than your entire PS5. As <laughs> more and more of those games go to PS, oh my god, in I, you guys okay, are that's, talking that about is, this yeah, like nope. games. This that is, is not, not the games. This that is, is not an up. Apple. Yeah, that's wait, a very wait, wait, wait. odd comparison. Wait, time out. This is not games. Nope, this true. is this is Xbox making up a huge deficit. Because I believe it was last E3, <laughs> he got and, their, and their game, <laughs> yeah, their game, their game showcase was absolute trash. Like, it was ab- no, yo, be real. You I, remember? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It was, trash. but whatever. It still doesn't. Yeah, still comes from the fact that they have. I still they have come they, from behind and are okay. And are whoa, whoa, okay, well, before this devolves into a a heat war, what I what I will say is okay. One, we can't make that proclamation yet. Yes, These can. are showcases. Also, by the way, this was I will I get to this at some point uh, if we ever get to the other things. But E3, this was very much and, and I've heard it somewhere else, too. I think it was uh, might have been Adam Sessler that actually said this. So I'll give him credit. Uh, but it was kind of the year of 2022. Like aside from like one or two things, everything here was like, yeah, it's not coming this year. It's like it was very much yeah. 2022, 2023. And this is where you really saw the effects of the pandemic on mm-hmm. game development because all the stuff that was coming out during was stuff that was already in the fires and was almost done. And right. so it didn't really affect the rollouts of those games as much. But now we've seen kind of the effect because a lot of stuff is having to be delayed, spaced, and probably some of these things won't even make it into 2022. They'll be 2023 uh, and beyond. Uh, getting to some of the other things, though, during Microsoft's press conference, uh, I actually thought Sea of Thieves, A Pirate's Life, showed really well. And that, that game has a great community. Yeah. And having Jack Sparrow and like they really went all out. I mean, it's rare. So they know how to do that kind of thing really well. Um, I thought that looked really fun. I will say the one I'm actually looking forward to considering getting an Xbox for is Redfall, which is wow. that uh, it comes from the same developers from Dishonored um, and Prey. And it's that multiplayer, single player kind of like they, they kind of tease that you can do both, uh, that it's an open world, but like you can still explore it sing- on by yourself and still have fun. And it's essentially you versus it's vampire hunting. And it's like, but the aesthetics of the characters look really interesting. Like they're stylized, but they're kind of real. And it was a mostly CG. It was all CG, like the trailer, but it still had a lot of personality and looked really cool. So I'm, I'm stoked for that one. Um, But yeah, I think the biggest uh, takeaway is that everything's on game pass. Game pass is a monumental deal. It continues to grow. I just think, I think buying Bethesda helped a lot in their exclusives department, because like the stuff that's coming that's going to fill out their library a lot. And they didn't have that before. So. Game Pass was the most talked about thing in my personal Twitch channel. Like people were coming in saying, Janelle, stop hating on Xbox and Microsoft. Like get off <laughs> of the PS. It's seriously, PlayStation. They were like, we're begging of you to just get in on this because of the value. And so I'm like, all right, yeah. guys, tell me, break it down for me. Like well, how game, much am I paying? Ultimate, but that's yeah. the thing too, right? Like, and I think it has just, just, just mentioned it, right? Game pass ultimate is not just for consoles, but you can use yes. it for PC. And then inevitably when they get to their weird cloud gaming thing, it's there too. But there's also, 
I would be uh, getting the PC one, obviously. But like, thanks to Game Pass, like that's what got me into Outriders. I mean, I've since abandoned it because the game. I was gonna terrible. say, yeah, you, <laughs> but, I can't get uh, you to play like, that game for anything. But, but Knockout City <laughs> and, uh, but like I said, like Knockout City and uh, Dead by Daylight. You know, a, a bunch of like really cool, fun games are on on Game Pass that like I probably would not have tried out or paid for had I you know not had right. the the subscription. But let's yeah. be honest, Microsoft did not dominate E3. Nintendo dominated E3. It was all terrible. Nintendo all the way. What dominated? How did they dominate? dominated from two points. One, by the things they showed. And two, by the things they did not show. So they dominated discussion on both ends. People were hoping to see the Nintendo Switch Pro. We did not. But we got releases that are probably going to be on there, i.e. Mario plus Rabbit's sequel that, like, they very much hit. They were, like, on the consoles you expected to be on. And it was kind of like, (laughs) Nintendo's not ready to make that announcement yet. So we're just going to have this said They told us beforehand that we were not going to see hardware updates. Right. But that never works. And like it never, no one ever listens to deflating PRs, right? Because they also said the same thing about the Square press conference. Like, you're not going to see Final Fantasy 16. You're not going to see Kingdom Hearts, whatever. You're not going to see that stuff. And everybody in the in the E3 chats, which were a whole problem child in themselves, (laughs) were like, well, where is it? Where is it? It's like, you don't listen. Anyway, uh, Nintendo, though, had just Metroid alone would so have good. set the world on fire. Not only did they acknowledge, hey, we're working on the full actual sequel you've been waiting for, but then Dread. And announcing that, which was like a sequel to a DS title, you know what I mean? And they just like get like brought it back from development limbo and then decided to like overhaul it. That Metroid fans are starving for content. So yeah. that's going to be a big enough deal. Then to so show, well, which I'm, I didn't even I'm, think I'm, they would I'm show. Glad, I'm glad all 70 of them are happy. There's, there's a lot, Jim. There's a lot. Now, Zelda fans, look, I'm not, I, I even professed on this show last time, I'm not the biggest Zelda guy. I appreciate Zelda, but I'm not like the biggest Zelda guy. But I didn't even think they would show it. I didn't even think, I thought they would kind of like, look, we're going to reveal stuff a little bit closer to time. They did not. They showed a full trailer. They gave us a release window of 20, again, 2022, <laughs> that golden year. Uh, and like, it looks, look, it looks good. It looks like more. Breath of the Wild, like it's it was really pretty trailer, but again, like it's what you've come to expect. Uh, they're gonna they they seem to be leaning in more into like Skyward Sword area with like the floating cities and all that kind Loved of stuff, and, and leaning Sword. into that. Right, it was that was kind of a sleeper hit too, and that's gonna get mm-hmm. a remaster as well. So like, which was a great was, announcement. It looked good. Right, there, yeah. was, there was a lot of stuff. That, that, I think Mario Plus Rabbits was actually the sleeper that kind of people were kept talking about that because honestly, no one thought that would ever get a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there was a lot. So I feel like Nintendo dominated discussions across the board. And now whether you are more interested in all their games or not, whatever. But we got to we got to separate a little bit because there was also a couple other uh, big announcements. Uh, Ubisoft had their uh, forward presentation. We got a new uh, Rainbow Six game extraction, which uh, they changed the name very smartly from quarantine. <laughs> so uh, now it's extraction and it's cool. It's blending, you know, and then there's also the game they didn't show, which was the rumored crossover between all the franchises, that multiplayer game. Uh, but we also got the square soft panel square soft. Wow. That's a throwback square Enix panel. Uh, and that one of course started with like 20 minutes of the rumored Marvel game, which was guardians of the galaxy. Um, this comes from Midas Montreal. And uh, I, I'm curious cause I, I have thoughts. I have, I have lots of thoughts on this, but um, this is the game that you can only play as 
to give the facts, right? You, man, you jumped the gun. To give the facts, <laughs> to give the facts before we jump in there. Uh, yes, it is. You're, it's only playable as Star Lord. You can issue commands to all the other guardians, but you cannot directly control them. Um, it is like a full on, like you're actually controlling things in real time. It's not turn based or anything like that. It has a uh, dialogue system a little bit. It seems of a, like a we don't know if it goes all the way into like Mass Effect territory of like morality, but it is like you can choose how you're going to steer certain conversations. Um, and then it's a full story uh, by uh, Dan Abnett uh, is back uh, to kind of take the story. And we didn't get a ton of info there. Uh, what did everybody think of that? Cause that I was very one thing. I think not having a playable Yondu is a huge missed opportunity <laughs> with anything on guardians of the galaxy because yeah, his I mean, weapon is so cool. Yeah. yeah I mean, that is, uh, I didn't think I'd be as passionately about this as, Janelle just made me feel, but yeah. <laughs> it, it, yes, I mean, that is a crazy missed opportunity to not use Yondu's arrow in a gaming format. Um, Jim, did you have thoughts before I... Uh, I mean, it, it looks fine. I think it, I think the mo- the character models are better than, uh, you know, certainly what we saw in Avengers. Um, so you've got, shade at that game, man. you've got... You've got something better there. Uh, but I mean... It, that style of gameplay is not necessarily my uh, my cup of tea, uh, and I'm also not the biggest Guardians fan. So either way, like, it's just it's fine. Right, it's just not hidden. Um, so okay, so one, I have a piece probably going up within the week because I keep like I kind of I try and like table posts I'm almost a little too passionate about, so I can like chill a minute <laughs> and then I go into them. Uh, and after that, all I saw was why aren't there MCU skins? And why don't they look like the people in the MCU? And uh, regardless of contracts and whether you have rights or whatever, take that out of the equation, because obviously those are factors. But take those out of the equation. Um, I don't need everything to look like the MCU. I love it. It's fine. It has a giant screen and a bunch of things you can see it in. That's okay. Not everything has to be. I didn't. I was not calling for. I mean, no, sure, but they could definitely no, make it no, look better. No, I don't. That, like, whether you like the approach, the approach is a little bit of a mix, right? They're going for the tone of the Guardians movie, which I enjoy, but I also enjoy it in Guardians. And there's a different tone sometimes in the comics. I'm cool with that too. They're going for the comic style costumes here, but the way they all act. The way the die, the way the dialogue flows, all that stuff is straight up MCU. The interaction with like, each other, yeah, like, like they're, they're interacting relationships, yeah, right. It's like, oh, is that Bradley Cooper? Clearly not, because yeah. I don't like that voice at all. But like, is that is that Bradley Cooper? <laughs> yes. like, you're, it's very much that back and forth. I don't need that in everything. It's okay to have stuff that's separate. Not uh, the the Marvel universe does not live and die by the MCU. So please take that <laughs> argument and step, please, because I don't need it. I don't want my whole world of superheroes colored in the same lens. I like that they leaned into the comic designs sometimes. Gamora suits straight from the comics, right? And I love, I would love to actually be able to play her. Uh, Like Rocket though, like Rocket and like I like Groot's new design. Like I'm open to new designs and I feel like there's this thing that if it doesn't look and talk and breathe like the MCU, it's not okay. And like screw that. I don't want that. This is you you still apologizing for Marvel's uh, Avengers. Those models looked bad. Those models looked bad. Okay, Jim, Captain America looked bad. Wow. Thor looked bad. No. Captain America I mean, bad, I bad. Thor looked bad. Black Widow did not. 
Black 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 Ate half of the now, other things I saw for lunch. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, was so excited. The Black, the, Black, the Black Panther stuff does look does It looked look good. I just, and yeah. if it's good, by the way, uh, all of these people are going to be hopping in and go, oh man, I, I can't believe whatever. Yeah, but like, again, too, but like, but even, but even like the custom armor parts and whatever, like all those. Like, you're mixing just, and matching. But you're but mixing and look, matching. That's not what all we were talking it, about. But all talking of, about well, no, sure. I know. Well, I'm done. Now I'm, now I'm just, I don't, I don't. Now you're just pissed that you don't like Marvel's Avengers, which is fine. You don't have to. No, but no. I'm saying that I don't I didn't like those discussions then and I do not like them now. It's okay to have different things. I will say off. that your perspective on Guardians actually like change. It's refreshing to hear. Like I was kind of like, where's my MCU fam? Um, <laughs> but actually after hearing you, it makes me feel a little bit better. And like Jim, this is not my style of game just to bring it back onto Guardians. It's not the style of gameplay that I would normally play, but because it is the Guardians, I am absolutely going to fall on my face and suck at it and attempt it and go for it because I do love Guardians. It's like one of my favorite comic books ever. Hey guys, so. guys, what else was Ellen at E3? Yeah, we got, I got to talk about that. By the way, I just want to point <laughs> out. There's nothing else we're gonna interesting. Move, we're going to move from that topic. I Yes, because we have other things to talk about. Uh, we're going to move to that topic. I will say, though, I'm actually not. I feel like I'm coming across as like I'm defending this game. I'm lukewarm on the Guardians game. I what? didn't love what I see. <laughs> I didn't love what I see. I, I just want to point that out. We got into a thing about Marvel's Avengers and Guardians and MCU stuff. I was tackling one issue of that. I'm not sold. I, I didn't love the gameplay that looked in combat, um, no. but I did find it funny that like, I, I don't like that you can only control that character. It, it's a Star Lord thing. I think I was just not, it's like, it's your traditional third person gunplay. It would have been cool to mix that up and see Drax and, and see how they're different. And I would like to control mm-hmm. them all. I'm very much that way. So I think that's what's in oh, the yeah, way. For sure. My my style of gameplay, my preferred style of gameplay is more tank-like, right? And so like if I wanted definitely to be like play as Drax and just go in right. with my with my knives and just start, you know, slicing and dicing away at people. Right. So, so, so it's, yes. it's that. I, I will I could play it and it could be great. So uh, moving on from that, uh, I think actually that was the majority of the stuff we got into that huge thing. I will say the biggest letdowns of E3, I would say probably the Switch Pro for most people would <laughs> would be like that it wasn't announced and revealed. Uh, and that and that of all of the Tekken characters they could have put in Smash Brothers, they pick Kazuya, right? Like what? Okay, that is kind of lame. <laughs> that is lame. So lame. That is lame. First of all, um, how do you not how do you not put Jin in? Right? Like, like if like if you're gonna have someone who looks fairly generic or whatever, you 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 put Jin in that game. Or uh yeah, like how is King not like the the go-to like character? Like that is the most smash-like character of the Tekken franchise and you don't you don't put him in there or a freaking like Yoshimitsu or whatever like I have I have issues with that I did not expect the Tekken uh devotion that just came from Jim I did not expect that I will say yes the half of those characters make so much more sense because the, the, the Tekken yeah. the, the Tekken cast has so many great characters in it that like you literally pick the most boring one to stick in there that's true all right. So before we go, Janelle, Kofi, what yes. stood out to you? What was your biggest letdown? 
Um, oh man, I stopped following E3 years ago. I wait for you guys to tell me, <laughs> and then I zero in on whatever you guys say is hot or not, depending on who's speaking, and then like and what I know about you, and then I, and then I look up that stuff. <laughs> I'm definitely going to look up Guardians good. of the Galaxy now. I mean, after all this, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> do that. <laughs> man, you know. Um, I, I think we pretty much hit on everything. I am, if you guys don't know, massive Nintendo person, like Nintendo first always. So for me, like Breath of the Wild 2 is amazing and not seeing the Switch Pro was kind of a bummer. And I will say my biggest bummer, I already said it, was just not having more Yondu or any Yondu, even just like a cameo or something. If I don't get any Yondu in Guardians, I'm going to be so bummed because I literally named my dog after this character like i want yondu that's a missed opportunity that's such a missed opportunity all right so that is e3 in a a nutshell (laughs) nutshell. that was e3 so there we go Go wow i got emotional All right, let's go through comics real quick before we get to wrestling yeah there's a lot to get to we still got a lot to do all right Okay, so let's get to comics. So let's start then uh, with the biggest comic, literally and figuratively, uh, Planet Size X-Men, number one. Um, This very much, uh, by the way, spoilers incoming for these books. You probably read them already, but spoilers in case you don't want to hear. Give us like 10 minutes. Um, So uh, Planet Size X-Men has been, you know, we've been seeing like what the Hellfire Gala has been teasing and things like that. And here the fireworks are finally fully revealed. And it's, hey, we moved Araco to Mars. <laughs> and, then, and then not only that, we made Mars like a place where you could actually have people live and like we t- terraformed the entire thing. And we did it with, I mean, really a small group of mutants did this. You know, if you think about it, like it didn't take like the entire, like all of mutant kind to do this. It took a couple of very smart people to break down and do this. And so you can kind of see now why some of the reactions have been like, I hope you know what you're doing and, you know, that kind of thing. And they reveal like also like the practical reasons, right? They need land here because they need to be able to create more of the the commodities that they have and all the flowers and the medicine and things like that. So they needed space. Hey, there's a whole planet up there sitting up there. No one's using. Man, like it's the a very they, the fact that they didn't call it Planet M is just like I mean, come on. Yeah, they don't need to go right there. This is a new dawn, a new day. New day. So it's what did you right so, there? So what did you guys think of the issue? I loved this issue actually. Um, it, it was really interesting, and it and it really for me hammers home because I was thinking about it a lot. First of all. I I think it pissed off a lot of religious types. (laughs) I don't know if they were very happy with this idea of uh, of this alternate mutant creation theory, but um, that's neither here nor there. But um, I like that it was called Planet Size X-Men. I love that little play on words when they're literally creating a planet. Uh, But it really hammered home, and I was seriously thinking about this because I was thinking about this for the MCU too, about like what Hickman has done with this you know, franchise and what the big kind of twist. And if there's nothing else that gets retained, if they throw away all the crazy flowers, the gates, the mutant country and all that, the one thing I think Jonathan Hickman got that and, and his creative team got that nobody before them got is the idea of mutants being meant to use their powers in coordination um, instead of individuals with their own little superpowers that this, what makes them different is this is a community that has literally the higher functions to be able to connect and coordinate on this much deeper level of 
doing anything, whether it's in battle, whether it's the stuff we've seen in, um, you know, whatchamacallit, uh, what's the, um, the Abigail Brand series? Sword? Sword, sword of, uh, yeah. Um, sword, yeah. In Sword and, you know, them using as a cosmic kind of astronaut team and being able to hop all over the cosmos to now them creating an entire planet like in the five being able to resurrect people like the thinking of how to coordinate these characters and make even some of the seemingly mundane ones with stupid powers now part of something much bigger and this whole idea of mutants as a community and not just because they form these little countries but you know just how they're living how they're operating and how they do things is is vastly interesting and it and it really kind of makes the x-men and mutants marvel mutants distinctly more interesting well no i'm not gonna say more because i don't want to piss anybody off but distinctly interesting and separate from in humans eternals right. and and all that other stuff with people with super man well freaking said and like, yeah awesome man and i this, could not agree more with that and this issue really hammers it home because they literally work together and create a planet and and terraform a planet and it was super duper interesting if That's nothing cool. else um, and it was a good solve for a lot of the Araco stuff of where to put them. And if you've been reading just these kind of event things, uh, this is a great and this. I love how this is all under the umbrella of House and Powers of X still. So we used to read in House of X all these timeline things about these things on Mars and them going to Mars and Sinister building colonies and doing all this stuff. And it was like, whatever happened to all of that? And it's like, oh, as soon as I started reading this issue, I was like, oh, man, like, yeah, OK, the seeds are all yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, Everything's getting planted again, like literally and figuratively. So and the Iraqo mutants we loved from ten, from X of Swords and now they actually <laughs> get to do something and right. they, they got to stand out and we got to meet more of them. And they were interesting as hell. So. Yeah. That's cool. Not so, so that that brings that's a good point that he was, you know, Kofi was kind of like it sets up. It's actually a as as complicated and as many things that are happening. It's actually probably a good launching point for someone to kind of hop in and just start from here because they have a pretty good idea of how certain societies work and the new status quo. So, Janelle, I know you've been hit and miss on the X books. What did uh, you think of this one? Um. I can't figure out the tone of these books. I keep thinking they're all villainous. Like everything they're doing is bad for some reason. Like I'm like, oh, this fish thing is going to be a bad person. <laughs> this insect guy is going to be so bad. He's going to be the villain. Like I, I just, Emma Frost is going to. Wow. Well, brainwash you know. everyone and make them lose their minds. I like mean, that's always sounds, a possibility. Sounds like you fear. <laughs> sounds like you fear and hate them. <laughs> I, I I feel like <laughs> having no, no background I, knowledge. I can get I can get with Janelle on this. They they have been written incredibly antagonistic, and like I understand, but also too, I don't know who you root for. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. I'm just kind of like, and, and I actually really love the book because the you art root, was really awesome. And you root for you root for Iska the Unbeaten. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, uh, I mean, it is a pretty. It is a pretty book, though. To, it's to really that, pretty. The concept is so cool. They're literally doing what us as humans wish we could do. You know, to make Mars livable. It, that's just awesome. But, um, but isn't isn't that it with with Hickman books? Right, like great concepts and 
the character stuff sometimes is left on the side of the road. It's the, yeah. And the dialogue, like honestly, just the way that they speak, I don't understand like what their motivation is. And I don't know who they are because I don't have that context, but I will say I didn't, I actually really enjoyed it. I'm just still having a hard time of knowing like good guy, bad guy, where we're going, where we've been. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to see if, yeah, like if this is a good jumping point for me to actually understand, cause there's a lot of information, even yeah. when they like cut to captain America I had no idea why I'm like, I don't understand. I'm starting to think like, I don't like mutants because I'm a human. So like, (laughs) I, should I be defensive right now? Like they're taking over Mars that we could possibly use in the future. They even mention it. They're like, Oh, well humans, they won't get to actually like utilizing Mars in, in a long time from now. And I'm like, wait, so are you guys villains for taking that option from us? Like, you know, are you, so what you're saying is you want to make sure they're battled here. So you don't have to battle them there. (laughs) So, So what I think is what's, what's, what I feel like, is is great about what like this discussion is providing is that i like them for all i like the current x-men this this era and then we'll move on to another book but (laughs) i like this current (laughs) era of x-men because of the practicality and the a little bit of the ambiguity that it brings to them and it and it leans into that there's not necessarily a clear-cut hero or a villain. Sometimes it is literally the matter of what they need in the moment and how can we do it? And they're not approaching it from the previous ways of saying like, well, how do we get other people to do this for us? How do we work with human humanity? How do we do this within what they just do it and they do it within like, what can we accomplish as a people and how, what, it, what is the best way to get to that goal? They don't consider like how the world is going to accept it. They don't consider like who we should go through, how this is going to look. And I love that because it's, but I feel like it only pays off if you've been reading them for years only because it's like, wow, you've seen them literally bang their heads against the wall time and time and time and time again. And now finally they're working together and they're getting results. But sometimes that leaves things a little gray, a lot gray in all of these cases. So there is no clear cut, like should morally and like, should they have, talk to somebody before converting a planet maybe <laughs> but like they well, needed to do it and they did it and so like that i love that though like that's actually what i like about the book but i understand the but other. that's them and i'm before, learning that. before the, before we move on i just want to say i think that hickman gets some of the bad rap that uh zach snyder gets in the sense that people say there isn't like a character connection there when i feel like he's probably one of the people who understands the characters best I, I just think that, like, we go back to that House of X scene between Nightcrawler and Wolverine when they're going to die on the uh, Orcus station, and they just have that brief conversation, which has no context, and it just comes out of nowhere and about, you know, religion and faith and stuff. And again, it's like you said, Matt, if you've read X-Men for years, that's an incredibly rich and powerful moment because, you know, Hickman understands, you know, everything about these characters and, and Wolverine and Nightcrawler's relationship and what kind of what kind of stuff they would say right at the end to each other, you know, and what they would be talking about. And I feel like that's the same here, like that opening scene with Magneto and it's all mysterious and him putting on the helmet like I'm or the scene where he's at the quiet council. And he's like, OK, I'm going to do this. And they're like, 
Uh, shouldn't you probably ask somebody? He's like, yeah, we'll ask for. for it's very yeah. Eric. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, that's, <laughs> and that's just totally Magneto because they're like, we don't even know we can pull this off, but we're going to do it and we're going to try it. And if and if they have something to say, let them say it. And like, that's what he does. It's total Magneto still. And I feel like that's the thing about it is, is we don't have to have these overly comic booky character moments because there are so many characters you're playing with. So you really do have to know each one and, and kind of keep their psychology intact. But I feel like everything, like I never feel like in any of this Hickman stuff, there are weird moments where we've argued over the years, like Cyclops is feeling very uncyclops in this particular arc when he's right. doing this, that or the other. I've never felt like that once in any of these X books. I feel like every one of these characters is exactly who I expect them to be from somebody major like Magneto and professor X to somebody as minuscule as like pyro just playing around and rolling dice during a hellfire gala. You know what I mean? Like I feel like they get the characters. Um, and so I don't need that. I think for the first time we're seeing X-Men really truly go sci-fi like, yeah, they, and these that, are very yeah. big concepts. These are very yeah. grand concepts. And, um, and it's more about the concept-driven sci-fi stuff than it is about the character stuff. So, um, yeah. Agreed. So, moving on to a different, very different book, uh, Batman Fortnite, <laughs> which has become a favorite of the podcast. I feel like this book generates all kinds of discussion, and this is actually, I again, I really dug this issue. Uh, we get the reveal of the mole, uh, it's not who it is is not very surprising, um, but like how things play out that was. And I thought that was actually pretty satisfying. And, and I like the there was a lot of like team fight scenes in this that I thought were really cool. Uh, so, again, like it leaves us in an interesting place. It started in one and the stuff in between is fun. I dug it. What do you guys think? Well, we have breaking news in the chat from oh, House and yeah. Josh saying that uh, Epic just released that they're going to have a Thanos skin coming to Fortnite. So, yay, Fortnite. Oh, get ready, Jim. Isn't that coming back to Fortnite? <laughs> it would be coming back. Yeah, I yeah. think it's the uh, the one from from a while ago, but mm. still very exciting. Do we get to do more Infinity Gun? We actually get to that beat. Was, yeah. Like, because the last we'll get, time. I think it's a skin it. now. Yeah, it's a skin. Okay. Because last uh, time you could only, available. you could be him right one, is that what it, was? it was kind of king of the hill like okay got yeah. to so this you can actually have the skin yes yeah. the skin i would have to get rid of my cat mark don't ever make a motion like that on the this skin. what'd you think i think this was a weird shift because i think initially i well it's not a weird shift i think i said we said in the beginning that what's been really great about the series is it feels like a really great batman story and an interesting look into the world of Fortnite at the same time. I think the latter part is kind of falling away at the Fortnite of it all, but uh, it's still a really interesting Batman story. And it still is a really interesting Batman story in which Deathstroke operates. I mean, like this is a good Batman Deathstroke story. Yeah. Uh, and Deathstroke is totally Deathstroke in this. And, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, okay, well, there you go. You know? And like you said, there are some great team that whole them trying to survive and do the team battling things. And just like one of the most interesting Batman battle sequences I've seen and just stuck in my head is just like them, you know, the idea like freezing the thing and shattering it and trapping all those people because they're flanked. And it's like, why is this in a Batman Fortnite comic? Cause this is actually pretty good. Like, this, is, this belongs like in an action movie. Yeah. Like, like, you know, there's, they're coming at us from both sides of the hallway. Like, what do we do? Like, and you know, yeah, how do a we lot of really cool tactics stuff here. And yeah, I can't believe that I'm like, can this be an ongoing I'd read this. Janelle, what do you think? Um, it's it's a great book. I love it. Uh, it's easy to follow, <laughs> which is different than what we said before. Um, 
just really interested. It left me on a cliffhanger that I'm very excited to see how it pans out. I want to know what's going on. Um, with the recent news that dropped on the Harley Quinn uh, animated series, just anything Batman and Catwoman, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, they're alone wow. in a room. <laughs> Janelle Wheeler. Wow. I didn't think you'd be the one. Man, yeah, that. I really didn't. That, that's All a right. coaching move. That's yeah. 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 It's yeah. great, though. I'm really excited to see oh where it goes. God. All I'm going to say is, Based on what I know about Batman's history and what I've seen from Ghostmaker, Batman has been trained in all things. I'm not touching this. Jim, what did you think of the issue? <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is this is just the little engine that could, right? Like everyone wanted to write this off as a series that just was not going. It was, was just right a, yeah. a licensed cash grab and whatever. And it just issue after issue. Just goes to show it is one of the best Batman books on the stands, if not the best Batman book on the stands right now. Ooh. Spicy. I can't yeah, I necessarily disagree with you, though. So nice, but spicy. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, right. let's move into our last book. Uh, Static season one, of course. Uh, this is part of the uh, big milestone launching. Uh, and we're getting a couple more books in this universe. Uh, I can't remember if they're actually uh, I don't know who's a big static Shock, I swear we've talked about him on the show before, um, but this is like the first comic we've actually discussed with the character. Um, this is, you know, a, a retooling uh, of the origin, but again, certain things are all standing in place. What, what stuck out to me most was actually uh, there's a really big family dynamic in this issue that I that I love. And it's because they're not... Um, like there's a two page splash. It's like you see the family kind of uh, before uh, all the stuff happened with static. And then you see them after. And it's like completely different scenarios, but they're still a family. They're still supportive. And, and it's just in a different way. And they're having issues. There's a really like interesting dynamic there. And then it looks pretty when like the power fights start and all that. But like, I just really love that aspect of the book because it makes it different from a lot of the other things that DC and Marvel uh, have going. I always love when there's more family in a book and you get that woven in. Also, props uh, because uh, Vita Ayala writes this and I just love that it actually has like them playing D&D. Can we just give props? We're props. To do? <laughs> <laughs> they, they have a campaign going on the side. Uh, what did you guys think of the book? I loved it. I look, I, I have been a I've been a big static fan from back like back when right like the cartoon is what got me into that uh, that character in that world um and then i went to go like hunt down some of the the old milestone stuff and so to come back to that uh, with a with a truly like you know i think an, an a level team uh creative team behind it it's just it it's a fun like it's that it's always been a fun world to be in and um uh, so, and, and this just felt like getting right back into it. And I think it, it hits all of the right notes there. Yeah. Yeah. This was my favorite book of the three. Nice. I loved it. I loved it. It's my first introduction to static and I just loved the concept. I loved how they handled, um, his age group, uh, I, I just thought it was really, really well done. It had me just page, like flipping the pages, not <laughs> digitally, but <laughs> like, I'm very excited to keep moving forward. I read it really, really fast. Um, yeah, and I'm, great. I'm really excited to see where it's going. Cause I feel like there's so many unanswered questions, but not in a frustrating way. Like, I just want to know the explanation, like where it's heading, why things panned out the way, like what, what were they protesting about? Like, 
I, I, I feel so weird about spoiling sometimes, but no, like we, who, we who else was affected? How many people died? Like even the graphic, like the way that it was explained, what happened and the reaction yeah. was to me really graphic. Like I was like upset about yeah. what had happened to these kids. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very interested to see what happens from here. Kofi. Um, I love Static Shock since the milestone days. Uh, I love this book. It is very kind of visceral and real. The artwork is gorgeous, but uh, and the only complaint I had about that, and it's not really a complaint, it's just it makes me miss the gritty milestone original kind of art. Um, but this is a very different style, but I mean, very fitting for this. It, yeah, this book looked great, and this is a very interesting new take on Static, and I like it so far. Yeah. It's, it's good. Yeah. So definitely recommend that first issues out. We'll also have a full interview uh, with the creative team as well about the book that you should be watching out on comicbook.com for probably this week. So, uh, so yeah, so let's move into WWE. So I think, I think we've done a pretty good job of speed running through that <laughs> and giving context. So let's move into WWE. Um, we will table the other stuff for next time. Uh, it is a loaded show. So uh, Hell in a Cell is coming up this weekend. It's going to stream on Peacock like usual. Uh, this is right now, anyway, a very compact show. There are, well, there were five matches announced for it. Now one of them is happening tonight on SmackDown uh, between Roman Reigns and Rey Mysterio, which was also one of the two Cell matches on the card. So now we have no idea what's happening there. Uh, shenanigans. <laughs> Are going to be involved most likely. Dominic's going to get involved. Whatever, maybe, maybe they'll do a rematch on on the show. I, there's no way, right, Jim, that Roman doesn't wrestle. At no, Hell I, yeah. So no, I mean the only fun. the only way the only way he wouldn't is it like if he is nursing an injury and like yeah. they just don't want to put him in the cell because that is a yeah that is a not a forgiving structure. If you're already hurt you're going to get seriously hurt if you're yeah. in there. Like, so yeah. And, and I don't think they can take any risks on Roman right now. He's, like the, he's the star. He's the tribal chief. Acknowledge right. it. Um, so yeah, so that's going to be really interesting. And it also, to be fair, it also gets a bunch of people watching SmackDown to see what the hell happens. He's the mm -hmm. biggest thing. I would, I agree. I, I, I argued this last time. He's the biggest thing in wrestling right now. So you're going to get eyes on SmackDown and hell in a cell, but he'll most likely wrestle there. We also have Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley. In what I feel is like the ninth time we've talked about <laughs> a matchup between them. They are the other cell match. Here's the thing. I feel like it's going to be good. I, I feel like it's going to be a quality match. I don't know. Drew's last cell match was really good. Um, they're good together. We all, I feel like anyway, can agree that WWE is kind of keeping him on the title picture because they ultimately want to put the title back on him when fans are back in the audience so that it can get the pop because if yeah. McIntyre, if anyone deserves that, I feel like it's McIntyre who has like held the title throughout the entire pandemic period without crowds through the Thunderdome. I, I want to see that. And they didn't do it at WrestleMania. I don't really under, know why I, I imagine just not to halt Lashley. So I, we're going to get that at some point. Um, we also have a, a Lashley three women's matches, which is awesome on the card. Uh, we have Bianca Belair versus Bailey. Uh, we have uh, Alexa Bliss versus Shayna Baszler, which I don't know what to expect from that. And we have Rhea Ripley uh, versus Charlotte Flair. I don't understand why one of those wasn't a cell match. And really, I don't understand why 
Belair and Bailey weren't. Like that's the one that Bailey's killed it in cell matches uh, before they've had already had a great program previously. They're having a good one now. So they're, they're good in the ring together. One of them is very experienced in the cell. I don't actually know how Belair, I don't remember in NXT if there was cell matches with her. Um, I think she was in war games, but either way, I don't understand why one of the women's matches isn't a cell. Is that like, why do you feel that is? Yeah, that's a weird one. I wonder if it's a time thing um, in like, yeah, I don't know. Like, they, they make such weird booking decisions now that it's like you can't even speculate on on why or why not because it, sometimes it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I just like or or Bliss like do a weird thing, but like make I mean Baszler and Bliss would probably be good in that kind of format. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Charlotte and Rhea would probably be like, "There's you have the talent on this card, and I just don't understand why only two of the five." Uh, we'll probably get another match at least. And I expect Cesaro and Rollins will probably be on that card. Maybe a tag match by the end of yeah. it, but it's going to be a shorter pay-per-view. Um, I understand why you want Roman and want Drew, but it's just, yeah, that that's weird to me. Um, also, this is weird because this was supposed to take place in October. Hell in a Cell is typically <laughs> an October pay-per-view. Money in the Bank is typically at this kind of spot. I understand why they bumped that though, because they're going to have their big return of live audiences on that pay-per-view so that makes sense it's just weird that like the timing is weird like you know but whatever um also i feel like do you have a mat what's your match of this card man i don't know i'm not as excited for this show as i thought i i would be um and i just and i think part of it is just because of poor booking right like i don't really care about reigns and reigns and mysterio i don't care about lashley and uh and drew um i don't i don't know man you don't have what like because here's the thing it's it's a really like there are really talented people on this card that can produce a great match that's what i mean like i think the best match on the the best match on the show is probably going to be bianca and bailey yeah, that's my money. That's that's the like one if where that, like if you know, just as far as like what like like pure enjoyment of the of the match, I think that'll give us the best results. It's going to be that match. Out, you know, other than that, right? Like they, I don't know. Maybe it's just because Hell in a Cell is now you know a regular thing. I feel like with time that you know this show has gotten less exciting because. We like we we know to expect it. I liked yeah. I liked it when like the Hell in a Cell was like the surprise stipulation uh, for for a match, right? Yeah. Like not just like a oh well, it's coming up. We need to figure out a match to put in there, and like that's what it is. That's how I feel about like TLC. Yeah, that's how I feel about like table. <laughs> I'm like we see that every week <laughs> on yeah. like every show we see someone grab a chair we see someone grab a table it just doesn't feel special and it seems weird to, like we're gonna have a whole show around it um you have to kind of have people forget that it is a thing at least with the <laughs> cell like not everyone is in right you know what i mean like it's not all raw all the time it's not on smackdown all the time it is a little special but yeah i agree uh, also just real quick we have to address uh, the awesomeness that was NXT this last week with Samoa Joe returning to the yep. show and just like immediately choking out fools. 
It was amazing. <laughs> Choked out Adam Cole. Adam Cole literally like came up and he was just like, no. And it, like the best gift of all time. Awesome. I cannot. I, it's just so exciting this, to see that. This is probably this is probably the best case scenario for Joe, because yeah. I think had he had gone anywhere else. Uh, like even if he went to like AEW, I don't think that um, I think he'd get lost in the mix. Yeah, and so like this, like this, like he is getting that star power, and and I love it. And they've already teased, right? Like, yes, yep. he's not a competitor right now, but it's like the provoke thing. But also, they've teased carrying. They've already had a, a face off. Pete Dunn's already had a face off. Johnny Gargano's got in there and had one. Like, they're teasing all these things for whenever that spin happens. Also, William Regal is a treasure, and he should always be with NXT. Moving back to Hell in a Cell, though, I will say my match of the night is probably going to be that's Bianca um, yep. and Bailey, just because the format. Like they're great in the ring together, but I think again, pay per view they they both showed up in big ways. Do we see Sasha make a, her return here? Oh man, I hope so. Is it time? Do you think they pull the trigger here, or do they do it in the SmackDown after, which WWE's want to do sometimes? No, I think I I, I think they do it here because then you have it. your built in like you have your built in program. Right there, yep. it's all those three in the in the title mix again. Uh, I do go. have to say, Charlotte and Rhea should be the one we are talking about, and it's not <laughs> because this was so much history. This, I mean, this was on a WrestleMania stage. Like we should be talking about this match, and somehow yeah. we are not. And I don't understand how they are. Why are they messing? Why are they messing this up, Jim? <laughs> Why are they messing it's up? They, it's what they do, Matt. Rhea Ripley. Oh my God. I'm still like, I'm looking for Keith Lee. I, I warned everybody. I was like, no, it's not going <laughs> to. And oh my God. Now he's like MIA. And now Rhea is just, she has the title. Like, yeah. I can't even get mad that they booked her weird. She's got the, the title. But like, this match is just, I feel like no one cares. And that should not be the case. These two together should be freaking magic. And it just, oh, uh, pains me. Okay. Rant aside. Um, what is your most disappointing match of the night before we go? I mean, the rest of them. Oh, that is, man, you are so. I'm down on this today. show. I am oh down God. on this show. It's just, it's like uh, Drew, Drew Lashley is a match I don't need to see again for three years. I don't okay. need to see that match. You're where I was with Orton. I don't need to like, see it in a cell. I don't need to see it in a ring. I don't need to see it in a backstage brawl. I don't need to see it anywhere. Chill with the green eggs and ham. I knew it was going there. I don't um, need to see it anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I will say, oh, I don't want to say this because I want to see, I want to see Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins go at it. Oh, that'd be good. He's got Cesaro, Anybody. man. Busy. Or, or, hey, anyone. I don't care. Just not Drew. All right. That's fair. Um, man, I would love that Finn Balor matchup whenever he comes over. That's uh, money. Um, so, yeah. So that's Hell in a uh, Cell. In a uh, nutshell. Yes. Uh, yes, Finn Balor, the first Universal uh, Champion holder to be forgotten uh, yes. in the annals and, of time. And the Prince, who has gone on a killer run when uh -huh. I said he would. Doesn't matter. Not <laughs> when, when he left. Matter. And then it he doesn't came matter. back. It doesn't count when it's not on the main roster. It does. It does. That's not the main roster anymore. No, when you produce a crap show like Raw every week, you can't stand <laughs> on that anymore. No one cares. <laughs> you sure. can't stand That's that. That's fair. Yeah. 
So anyway, that's Hell in a Cell. Jim is getting me so riled up today. So that is that is wrestling. Make sure to check out all of our coverage. We'll be covering it live on comicbook.com. So uh, follow us on Twitter and enjoy the show. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be here every Friday. We are on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook Live every Friday at noon Eastern time. We're on your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or tell any smart home device to play Comic Book Nation podcast if you want to give it a listen. If you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. We appreciate it. Thank you. If you want to speak to us individually or if you just want to follow the show in general, we are all on Twitter. You can follow Comic Book Nation at Comic Book Nation. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler. And I'm at Jim Viscardi. That'll do it for this show. We'll see you guys next week. Everybody have a good week. And uh, I think uh, by next week, yeah, we'll be back to talking some big movies because F9 will be out. Wow. Wow. Look at that. We'll be back in the movie business. Movies! Hey! Yay! That's not what it, Okay, we're getting out of here. All <laughs> right. Comic Book Nation, we're getting out of here. Peace. Bye, guys. <laughs>